You're listening to the Lessons in Real Estate Show, sponsored by Mission First Capital, bringing real estate investment deals for active duty and veteran investors. Your host, Anthony Pinto, searched land, air, and sea to find military investors just like you investing in multifamily and commercial real estate, both active duty and veterans. Hear their stories, learn their lessons, and be inspired by the obstacles they have overcome on their path to financial freedom. Whether you are overseas or stationed at home, if you want to get started as a military real estate investor, this is the show for you. And now your host, Anthony Pinto. I'm so excited to have you guys here today on the revamped new and improved version of the Lessons in Real Estate show. I wanted to refocus on my mission here in life uh, with this podcast, and that is to help teach and inspire 1 million military members and veterans to achieve financial freedom through real estate. And as a part of the March to a Million campaign, my call is to show you the path to freedom of time and money, whether you intend to stay in for 20 years or get out next year. And so listen to the stories of fellow military members and investors just like you struggling, overcoming, and achieving success in multifamily real estate, and even some of them doing it while active duty, and really dig into their lessons learned, as well as their failures on their path to success. Uh, But you came here for the show, so let's get to it. Hey learners, and welcome to another edition of the Lessons in Real Estate show. I'm your host, Anthony Pinto, and today we have another amazing military investor, quite an experienced uh, military investor in, 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 in all sorts of of uh, spheres within the real estate realm. And so today we have Major uh, Howard W. Evans, or also goes by Bud. He is a senior intelligence officer for the uh, 111th Attack Wing and uh, 111th Operations Group out of Horsham, Pennsylvania, and uh, has a long list of military uh, career uh, accolades and, and, uh, you know, um, stations all over the place but you know one of the, i think the most intriguing things is he's been you know in the air force since 1987 both in and out of uh, out of uniform served on you know a number of different tours all over the world and a number of different degrees and i just just a lot of experience i'm really excited to have him come on here so bud thanks for coming on the show today oh it's my pleasure thank you for having me absolutely absolutely so you know i uh i I didn't really do your military background justice, I think, because I mean, there's there's a lot to dig into on on your bio that you sent over. But you know, in in your own words, just kind of dig into uh, dig into your background and you think kind of the higher points that you want to talk about. Okay, uh, let's start with the f- the thing that really kind of throws people off when I tell them that I signed my first contract under Ronald Reagan. That that has a tendency to you know be like a who what. You know, uh, so I remember the fall of the Berlin Wall. I actually was a senior airman when I watched a man with grocery bags walk in front of a line of tanks in China. I was a senior airman down at Langley Air Force Base at that time. Uh, I went into the Guard in 1989. Um, and from that point on, that's when the fun really began. Uh, I left air to air. I was an ammo troop. I was enlisted for almost 20 years, just under 20 years. Um I was an ammo troop for 15 of those 20. And when you're air to air, um, it's not a lot of fun as an ammo troop, but when they dangle an A-10 in front of you and tell you, hey, you can touch every piece of armament that's in the United States inventory for air to air and air to ground, you jump on it. So I did. I went into the guard. I supported the A-10s. 95, we were the first guard unit deployed to Kuwait uh, to support Southern Watch. 99, we were deployed again. Um, 2001, 2003. Uh, for Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, 2007, again, for Iraq, um, 2013, again, for Afghanistan. Um, yeah, that was my last deployment. So uh, that was, that was actually the best deployment that I had been on. Also did some time in Germany. Uh, one of the best things about being in the guard and, uh, actually doing what I do is, uh, my family stays here, um, you know, unlike real active duty. And I don't want to say real active duty because I'm technically active duty now, but, uh, you know, we'll call them regaf, right? Regular air force. Unlike regular air force, every two to four years, I don't move with my family and take them someplace else. Basically what happens is I'll get sent someplace and my family will stay home. And then I come back and I live here. So, uh, in 2016, I started supporting a, um, an RPA unit out of Horsham and, um, 
that's been pretty good. But now I'm coming to the end. So it's a, uh, I signed up in August of 87 and I'm looking forward to retirement in August of 22. So that'll be an exactly 35 year career, which I think is great. Um, so 15 years in ammo, five years in, as a contracting specialist, I wound up, uh, at the rank of master sergeant. And just before I put on E8, I, I was commissioned uh, second lieutenant. So that was, that was a little difficult to take. You want to talk about a lesson learned? Um, go from running everything as a senior NCO to, you know, nothing, John Snow. Uh, I am a second lieutenant. I am stupid. Senior, this is your shop. What do you need? Uh, and that, that actually happened. That conversation actually happened. Um, not that I, I needed, you know, to, any guidance to make that conversation happen. Luckily I was able to say like, based on my experience, I went, Hey, look, senior, I've been there. I understand what's going on. You tell me what to do and I'll make it happen. Um, so that was, <laughs> that, that was a tough transition to make. I, I can go into that if you'd like, because going from the, um, going from the head of the mouse to the tail of the donkey is, is very difficult. Wow. Well said. <laughs> I mean, well said. I think that's uh, an an apt analogy from a lot of other, you know, prior enlisted guys that I know who are officers, uh, you know, having um, having a lot of uh, uh, trouble and, and issues and, and everything you go through as a as an enlisted guy to get up to senior enlisted and, and, and you know, all the sacrifices you make to suddenly be back at the bottom of the totem pole again is uh, is a rough transition. But, you know, I, you know, Honestly, one of some of the best leaders that I've known have been guys who have been prior enlisted, right? Guys who have the experience and know like, hey, like, you know, they're not just fr fresh off the boat, if you will, from straight out of, out of school. Like they've had real experiences. They have real knowledge to be able to draw from when they're making decisions. They have real knowledge to draw from uh, knowing like, hey, this is how it was when I was, uh, you know, uh, as an airman or I was a seaman or a seaman apprentice or uh, you know, a, a brand new soldier in infantry, you know, and, and I think that that's, um, I think that's really tantamount to being able to be a good officer is understanding where your, your, your guys are coming from. And I mean, it sounds like that is exactly what you're able to do. You're able to take a lot of that, that uh, knowledge. And, and, you know, one of the things that is really stuck with me is, is um, as a brand new officer with guys who, who have experience and don't have is that the guys who have experience know that they don't know everything. And they kind of know what they don't know. Um, and so they're willing to take the advice and willing to, to uh, um, work with other people to gain that knowledge rather than just be like, you know, I am an ensign or a second lieutenant. And, you know, this I am now in charge of all of these people and whether that's in like charge with quotations or, you know, an actuality in charge. Um, so I think that that's awesome. You're able to take a lot a lot of that uh, experience that you had over 20 years and apply it to being to being an officer. Uh, so kudos on that. <laughs> Thanks. There are a couple of weird situations that I found myself in. Uh, the first was 2008 running an army platoon. It's, it's a joint platoon uh, doing um, perimeter support for the Obama inauguration. And then um, another one was uh, it actually turned out to be one of the greatest compliments of my military career was uh, doing joint operations at um, for signals intelligence in Afghanistan. And I was the, um, the division head, the OIC. And um, I had a Marine gunny sergeant who told me, you know, hey, sir, that you're the best senior NCO I've ever served, or that you're the best, uh, uh, you know, co commander, detachment commander I've ever served under. And I'd be more than happy to, to serve under you again. And I thought that was fantastic. If I can impress a Marine, I, I think I did all right. I think I did all right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially as an Air Force guy, I totally understand. <laughs> exactly. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, no, so, I get it, man. It's, I get it. We're the chair force. It's all right. <laughs> hey, you you, you got to accept your roles. And uh, I mean, you, it's, it's one you got to fill. Someone's got to sit in the chairs. You know? Hey, listen, you guys go ahead out on your boats for six months a year and I'll sit at home in my hotel room eating quiche. That's all good. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Hopefully you don't throw, yeah. throw your back playing golf too much. <laughs> no, exactly. They, they taught me that in a, uh, Air Force officer school, how to play golf. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you have a pretty good, uh, pretty good round too that you can play. So <laughs> no, uh, I did learn. I did learn while I was in school. It's good. Yeah. You know, it's something that you know, golf is something I've always, always wanted to learn, but I've never really been good at or spent enough time doing, mm -hmm. you know, it's more of like going to top golf occasionally and hitting some balls around, but um, that's something that I've, I've, 
felt like is so quintessential as like a senior officer to just know how to play golf and go play golf all the time. It's just never something that I've learned. I never realized the life lessons that you get out of golf uh, to put it in perspective and to bring it back to real estate. Um, the only limiting factor in golf is you. You're not, you're actually not out there competing with someone else. You're competing with yourself every round, no matter whether you have, and I, I don't gamble, but I, I have friends who actually put money on rounds as we're out on the course. And, you know, uh, like Caddyshack, hundred dollars, I should miss that putt, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, but, yeah, when you go out there, it's a game of mistakes. And the the better mistakes that you make, the better the um, the end result will be. Kind of like, you know, what we're what we're going to talk about right now, which is if um, if you get involved in real estate and you make 20 transactions in two years and or 25 in, in this case, you make 25 transactions in two years and you and you have you know two of those transactions that go bad, or maybe one vacancy that lasts more than a month or you know, someone, a, a pandemic hits, you know, uh, how are you, how are you set up for success? What miss did you make? What mistake did you make? And how are you set up to capitalize on that mistake? And what mistake did somebody else make that maybe you can, uh, you can turn around and, and make it a positive for you and them. Mm-hmm. I think that is a very apt analogy. I never really thought about golf in, in that, in that manner. You know, it's, I guess it's similar to swimming as well, unless you're on a relay team, like it's only you and the water, like there's nothing, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, it's not a team sport. There's nothing, you know, that you can, you can fault uh, if things go, you know, go wrong. And it's really, you know, you winning if things go right. Um, but I think that's really apt when it comes to time to real estate, especially when you're getting started. I mean, there's so many things mm-hmm. that can stop you from getting in or being accomplished or being successful within this realm. And so much of it, I think, especially when you're getting started, is so much internal. Like, what are your self-limiting mm-hmm. beliefs that you have going on? What are the things that you you have grown up with that have you know told you that you can't do this or you can't do that because of X, Y, and Z, right? Um, you know, what are the things that you're dealing with on a daily basis, especially as an active duty guy? You know, um, in terms of your time, your money, your experience. I mean, fill in the blank on what on what's you know really holding you back, um, and just realizing that everything is in your head. And anything that is, is, uh, you know, plague, plaguing you or troubling you, it's all about getting yourself educated and, and being experienced or figuring out how to get through it. And, uh, I, I think that's really apt analogy you have, have there with golf. Um, and never, you know, one, yeah. I never really thought about. Uh, it's, it's a definite, I had a Colonel who told me that he couldn't concentrate for four and a half hours, uh, long enough to play around a golf. And I thought that was funny because we were playing around a golf at the time. Uh, so uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. It's not about concentrating for four and a half hours. It's about concentrating for a moment and then you hit the ball and then you can talk and, you know, BS and walk to the ball, uh, do that over and over again. And eventually the ball goes in the hole. I, I didn't see, you know, his point. Um, but like this business, you know, what are the limitations? What, what's the barrier to entry in this? It's very low. It's not like Elon Musk getting involved in technology where you have to have some, some program, some device that you're getting ready to sell where it might cost you a couple of hundred thousand dollars. You can get, get involved in real estate for nothing. I mean, my first purchase was zero down. I made an infinite return on my first purchase. So when we're looking at, um, you know, when we're looking at that, uh, that barrier to entry, the only barrier to entry, getting back to that golf analogy is you. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to learn? Are you willing to, um, you know, understand that you don't know what you don't know, or are you going to get locked down into analysis paralysis? Uh, which direction are you going to go with it? Are you going to set yourself up with SOPs and KPIs, uh, um, you know, standards of, of procedure or uh, key performance indicators? What are you going to look at later on? What do you do a debrief? My first real estate transaction was, so in 2018, I signed up with a, a group of investors, uh, fortune builders. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but um, it cost me a lot of money. And I'll, I'll go back to how I got into that in a, in a few minutes, but uh, I got involved with them simply because of two things, checklists and SOPs that were given to me on a plate. Hey, these are the things that you know I've been trying for six months, but I've been failing miserably. I haven't even had a bid accepted. What am I doing wrong? Well, okay, look at these checklists, look at these procedures, and you tell me what you're doing wrong. Okay, great. Well, 
oh, I see. All right, let me rectify that. One day after coming out of my first three-day um, or two-day um, like immersion course, I, I had a bit accepted. I, and boom, we're we're in. Let's let's do this. Let's get some cash together and buy the house. You know, uh, and that's that's how I got my first transaction. That's you know, it was all about the, I don't really know what I don't know. So let me try to jump in here and see what I can do. And then you find a mentor, you find an organization and they give you some information, your SOPs, your checklist. What are you willing to do to, to get this done? And you act on it. Yeah. You know, I, I want to kind of touch on something you, you, uh, you talked there at the beginning, cause I have mean, a ton of information in there. That's, that's great. Um, you know, one of the things you talked about is very with was with the colonel and how he couldn't stay concentrated for four and a half hours, but all he really needed to do was be concentrated for you know that one moment. And I think that's really telling when you're starting a um, you know a new business, whether that's in real estate or not, is the fact that you don't have to have a hundred percent of your business built on day one, and that's not going to be right. You just got to take one step at a time. You got to take if you're getting into real estate, you got you just set up your LLC. Then you underwrite a deal. Then you talk with the property. I mean, I mean it, it doesn't all have to be done in one day. And Rome was not built in one day. And I think that's what really gets a lot of people kind of tied up. Is it's like, I, you know, I want to get into real estate. I want to have a real estate, you know, um, investment company. I want to own millions of dollars in real estate and have, you know, a, a million dollars in passive income coming in a year. And, you know, they have such lofty goals, but then they just don't know how to get started or really get to that. And it really discourages a lot of people. Um, and but in reality, all it takes is one moment at a time. You get this one thing done in your checklist, then you move to the next thing, one small thing to get done. Then you move to the next small thing. And suddenly these little habits that you've done and you've built up and little things, tasks that you've done along the way have suddenly built into something spectacular. And it's honestly, it's not really until you like step back and look at everything you've done over the past months or year that you really kind of add up the cumulative amount of work that you put in. And it's a tremendous amount of effort. But if that's what you focus on in the, in the beginning with getting started, rather than just saying, hey, what is the next step that I need to do? Or what are the next three steps that I need to do? Or what do I need to do this week? Instead of trying to figure out what do I need to do this, this year, you know, and constantly right. thinking that, have that in your mind. Um, and you know, it, you don't have to eat the elephant whole right off the bat. You can take small little bites. Right. That's key. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and that's, that is key. You're so in, in my first case, I didn't have, you know, the, the, I didn't know what my key performance indicators were. I didn't know how to, uh, effectively set up a draw schedule. I had no idea what I was going to be looking at. You know, if I hit this metric, what, how much money was going to drop. I, I had to figure all that stuff out on the fly. And that's, that's the good thing that the military, um, you know, in, in the air force, uh, I know you guys have your own sayings, but in the air force, we say uh, flexibility is the key to air power. Um, you know, you're, <laughs> we're, we're trying to get a red flag uh, award named after one of my lieutenants. It's called the uh, Stephen J. Boswell best laid plans award, because this guy spent hours upon hours upon hours of developing this plan for red flag, which is one of the biggest exercises on the planet. And then guess what? They canceled it and changed it and moved it. And the next thing you know, he's, his entire plan was out in the winds and Oh, by the way, we're flying in an hour. Let's go figure it out. Um, and guess what he did. And he wound up getting a, you know, a, a general coin and get getting this award. And now it's the first one that was ever given out. So we're trying to get it named after him. You know, you can't, you can't let, and I don't want to say you can't let fear stop you because, you know, it's, it's, uh, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's acting in, in, you know, in light of it. Uh, and, and that's exactly what this is. This, this entire process here, this entire real estate process is all about, you know, getting off your butt and making something happen. Um, you know, if you'd have told me, I said this to my mother-in-law, uh, who lives with me the other day, that if, if you were to tell me 10 years ago, that I'd have, I'd be writing hundred thousand dollar checks and have one point one million dollars in debt, and I'd be laughing about it all the way to the bank. I'd have said, "You're out of your mind. There's no way in hell this is happening. That is absolutely ridiculous." I am all about the no debt thing, and um, and and then someone, you know, hey Robert Kiyosaki, I read the book, and it, there's a difference between debt and leverage. Um, 
and I have, you know, two and a half million dollars worth of assets. It's only leveraged at one point one million dollars. Um, so uh, do the math. My net worth is in two years, and you just can't. Had I had I done that whole well, you know, uh, if I just save ten thousand more dollars, if I just save five thousand more dollars, well, then I wouldn't have had the guts to go out had this conversation with somebody at a bar. The next thing I know, the bar was at a Flyers game. So I'm, you know, I'm a hockey guy. We had this conversation with the hockey guy with, with, uh, at this hockey game. And, and this guy walks up to me and he's like, Hey, why didn't you ever ask me to invest? Um, and my response to him was, well, Hey Matt, you want to get involved in one of these properties? And he goes, yeah. And then he funded my next four deals. And then he bought out my business. And then he partnered with me on code three properties. Um, which now, you know, we have the 15 single family rental properties and we're working on right now getting involved with this, uh, this GOB network of investors. And we're, we're working on uh, getting multifamily done and Hey, look, this, this multifamily underwriting stuff, man, I, I didn't, I mean, I have a, I have a bachelor's degree in finance, a minor in accounting and an MBA. And I look at this stuff and I go, ah, so what am I doing? I reached out to my sister who used to work at Vanguard and I went, Hey, I'm going to send you a spreadsheet, dumb this down for me and help me out. And the first time that I actually get, you know, some cash in my pocket, I'll split it with you. I'll give you a percentage. And she went, okay. You know, what, what really gets your motor running? Um, when you start in this business and you're not so invigorated while you're doing your first deal and it looks like, you know, the, the walls are caving in on you and, or, you know, God bless Jersey. You find a, a buried oil tank um, and you lose $10,000 trying to get that thing taken out of the ground and you need EPA and all that stuff. And you're learning on the fly. And then at the end of it all, you sit down and you hand your real estate agent, this binder I did anyway, and everything else is electronic, but I handed this green binder with all of the documentation for everything that I had done, the roof, the EPA requirements, the electric, all the receipts for everything that was in that house. And I said, here you go. This is for your own, you know, you guys can look at this and this is the upstairs bathroom. This is the downstairs. This is the kitchen. Here's the manual for the blah, 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 blah. And I handed it to them and they in turn handed me a $120,000 check. You want to talk about invigorating? Cash a $120,000 check after your first real estate deal and tell me that you're not invigorated. All of a sudden I'm in love with this stuff and I can't get enough of it. Hey learners, I want to take a quick second to tell you a little bit about what we've been working on here. Are you a military member, veteran, or family member? Are you stuck in how to get started in real estate investing? Well, maybe you're worried about your lack of time, money, or experience. Well, if you're listening to this show, you probably meet one of those wickets. And I was in the same boat until I partnered up with other experienced veterans to start taking down large multifamily properties. But over this past year and the various syndications we've done, we found that the opportunities for the typical military investor to find stellar real estate opportunities to passively invest in are about as small as the chances of not being on duty on the weekend. So super excited to announce Mission First Capital, the first real estate investment fund specifically created for you, the military investor and your family. Anyone can invest and at a low minimum, it is affordable too. Deployments and workups are hard enough. Investing for your future doesn't have to be. Check out more at missionfirstcapital.co. Now let's get back to the show. Fair enough. Fair enough. Damn. All right. So, so let's tap into that. Something that you, uh, you mentioned there with, with your friend. Um, and first of all, love the flyers, big, big fan of the flyers. One of my first dates I went out with my wife was, was to a flyers game. And, uh, I specifically remember they were playing the caps and the flyers got destroyed. Like it was like seven zero, uh, but a fight broke out and it was like the most exciting thing I'd ever seen. It's just like, you know, 20 grown men in skates, just, you know, beating the heck out of each other on the ice was just, it was, it was really funny and fun, fun to me. You just sit there and you just drink beer and you're cold and it, it was a good time, but I, I'm a big fan of the flyers as well. And <laughs> yeah, there's no, no faster human powered sport on earth. Oh man, I just, you know, it's just, it's one of those sports that uh, it's just entertaining to watch, you know, you know, uh, sports on TV with like football and basketball. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, if you're really into those sports, it can be pretty entertaining, but I just, I feel like hockey 
it's just one of those sports like MMA, like it just, it just gets your blood going. Like it just really gets you riled up and it's just, it's, it's, it's yeah. exciting to me. Really love the sport. And don't turn your head. I did it last night. I, they had the scrimmage game last night and I turned my head for a second and I looked back and it was one nothing. And you know, I, I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, Wait for the replay. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I was talking to one of my other friends about hockey and he was just, he was explaining in detail to me, like the concept of the game and how unlikely everything in that game was like, you're taking a puck that's like so tiny and getting it into a goal. That's like mm-hmm. literally the size of the goalie that's sitting in front of it. And people are still like yep. every game people are scoring and it just blows my mind, you know, how unlikely that is and how, you know, how uh, good the players are enough to get, something so tiny into such a small space in, in his goal, you know? Well, look at the basics, right? I mean, when I was strategic planning, they used to say, you know, look at the smallest item and how it's going to affect the largest at the largest scale. So in this case, look at this. You have a 230-pound man standing on a quarter-inch piece of steel. You have to learn an entirely new way to propel yourself as opposed to any other sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. That's if you can... Oh, and by the way, the four inch piece of rubber, uh, vulcanized rubber that you're trying to push down the ice, you can't look down because somebody will take your head off. So you've got to feel that piece of rubber at the end of a six foot piece of, well, it used to be wood. Now it's composite material at the end of a six foot piece of composite material, and then be able to pass like you have a HUD in your helmet. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it is, I, I'm, I know I'm a fanboy. I played pretty much my whole life so uh, you know when it comes to that like there's there's just no better feeling when you when you get down the ice and then you wind up and take a shot and it winds up making that sound um man (laughs) you wonder why guys like celebrate you know but then you got to get right back to because they'll drop the puck without you (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i mean yeah it's a great sport yeah yeah it's amazing and i i I will be the first to tell you, I am not good on skates at all. Uh, I went yeah. skating with my wife once and, and totally ate it. So not, not a big fan and, and hats off to those guys that are able to not only stay up on their, on their skates, but, you know, just ram into each other and, you know, make goals mm-hmm. and skate around and with other, you know, 10 other people trying to take them down. It's just, it's amazing to me. Uh, but, but I didn't realize, I didn't think we we're going to get so far into hockey. I mean, great. Happy that we did it, but. Um, you know, I, w- I wanted to talk a little bit more about your interaction with your friend, because I think that's something that a lot of people, especially the military uh, guys who, who start off, don't fully realize. And one of the things they often say is like, Hey, I don't know anybody who has money. Like, I don't know how I'm going to raise a million dollars, $2 million for this property for the first time doing a syndication, or, you know, even 50 to a hundred thousand dollars to throw into a flip. I just don't know people like that. And mm-hmm. I just, I just tell people, yeah, I don't know either. And you're not going to know until you talk to people about it or you tell people what you're doing, you know, and it sounds, it sounds like exactly what you did there. Yeah. Well, if you, if you have ever read or listened to uh, the millionaire next door, the average millionaire does not dress like, you know, a millionaire. You, you, you look at these guys like Matt wears a baseball cap, an old dirty flyers baseball cap. He wears you know, a sweatshirt. He wears jeans and he wears jogging sneakers. He drives an old Mustang, um, older Mustang. It's, you know, a little bit, a little bit spruced up, but, um, you know, souped up, but it's, uh, it's paid off. It's 10 years old. He's living in a house that's paid off. He owns his own LLC and, and, uh, does coding for major corporations. And right now he's doing, uh, the website for SoFi bank. And, uh, you know, I had no idea when he comes to me and he's like, I said, well, how much money do you got to invest? And he goes, I don't know. I can get you a half a million. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> you know, uh, and we were doing this over chicken wings. Um, so I, I immediately equated to this. We sh- we're sharing a 10 piece and I'm like, well, that's a hundred thousand dollars per wing deal. <laughs> you know, there's give me a hundred thousand dollars per chicken wing and I'll get you a bunch of properties somewhere. And you know, we'll, we'll go, we'll go that way. And that, you know, they, you live, the typical millionaire drives an older car, dresses down, lives in a house that's probably paid off, you know, um, their expenses are low, their income is high and they just have you know, liquid assets of over a million dollars. So, um, that's, that's the basis of the book, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I, I can't tell you how many times that this has occurred where you're standing there having a conversation that happened to me the other night. Uh, 
Friday, in fact, uh, I don't know when, when this is going to air, but um, the, the 7th of January, uh, the 8th, the 8th of January, um, Matt and I are sitting in a closing and we go out afterwards to celebrate the fact that we just closed on four properties and we're sitting in, the, in this booth and all of a sudden somebody taps me on the shoulder and like, oh, you guys are real estate investors. Hey, let's have a conversation. Hey, here's, you know, here's my card. Let's get, okay, no problem because and, and I might not use that person right away, but I'm going to follow up. I'm going to make sure that, you know, hey, this is what I'm looking at next. Would you be interested in something like this? Would you be interested in something like that? Feel them out and see what I can get, you know, see, see what I can, we can do for each other. That's the thing. You got to set up that win-win situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think, uh, you know, that's huge is, is just telling people what you're doing and just talking about it. And, you know, the guys that um, you know, really passionate about, about real estate or just do that. Like I, I, I freaking talk about this all the time and like to the point where my wife gets annoyed at me for talking about it and doesn't want to, doesn't want to talk to me about it anymore. Um, but you know, I can't tell you how many times that situation has happened to me where we're raising for a deal. And I just happened to talk to some random person when they asked me about, Hey, what are you doing right now? I was like, Oh, well we got, you know, this, this deal going on right now. I was like, Oh, well, I have, you know, 50,000 or 40,000 or whatever to throw into this deal right now. It's like, oh, well, I never would have known if I hadn't talked to you about it, right? And tell, and, and tell you about it. So I think that, um, you know, lessons learned is you you would be surprised who you talk to, who who would be interested in investing. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you're providing an opportunity for people. You're providing opportunity for people to, you know, not only help out a friend if you're friends with them, but also to make good money off of their deals. And I think that people are really clamoring for a solid, stable, uh, non-volatile return right now, given what's, what's happening with the capital market and the stocks and, and everything. Um, and I, I think that that's something that, uh, is, is probably always going to be happening. There's always people who are looking, you know, not only to diversify and, and make good returns, but are just looking to place capital and things like real estate, real property. That's not going to be affected by inflation or be affected by, you know, the latest Trump tweet or something like that, you know? So I think that's a, a poignant point there. One to bring up. Absolutely. Um, but Hey, so I want to get into, you know, your real estate kind of aspects a little bit more. So you, you've been doing some flips, you've been single, single family homes, and it sounds like you've really been successful in that front. Um, you know, what, what kind of instigated or, or moved you uh, into the multifamily and commercial real estate realm? Okay. Well, let's start with how I got involved in real estate entirely. Um, and I moved after 2013, after my deployment, uh, my wife wanted to be closer to family. So we wound up moving to Jersey. Don't hate me. I didn't, I was living in Pennsylvania. I was very happy at a nice house and my wife wanted to move to Jersey. So here we are. Um, I'm right across the bridge from Philadelphia. So I'm a South Jerseyite, I guess. Uh, I grew up in Philly as a kid, so it was no big deal. I came to New, came to New Jersey, moved into a town called Cinnaminson, uh, 2014, uh, there were a few things that were going on that I wasn't really crazy about, you know, increased taxes and whatnot. And I wanted to make sure that that didn't happen while I was living here. Uh, most military guys, when they PCS someplace, they're basically told, you know, make this place better than when you got here. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make this place better than when I got here. So I took over the town. I ran for local office and uh, and I got elected. Um, and the next thing I knew, I was the mayor. And the next thing I knew, I was doing economic development. And I found that I really enjoyed economic development and zoning and planning and all that stuff. And I thought about doing real estate in the past, but, you know, I had that, yeah, well, you know, if I just, if, yeah, if I just had $50,000 in my pocket, maybe I'd buy something. And then I'm sitting here talking to these guys who are worth millions of dollars, building seven buildings, 10 buildings at a time. And no kidding, I'm, I'm the mayor of a town where I have a, an apartment complex going up and I have no idea how this is happening until I'm sitting across from the guy who was worth a couple of hundred million dollars doing a syndication deal. How do you do that? Well, let's talk about that. Okay. So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here finding that I have this vested interest in this apartment complex going up in my, in my town. Um, that and then we had a commercial property that came to light that uh Lidl, a German company who came over here and they wanted to build in sentiments and hey, bring it on, let's do it. And we had this other guy who owned a former Acme and he wanted to put triple net, um, he wanted to have triple net pad sites in front of the old Acme where he was going to put a uh, tell me if you heard this one before, um, self storage is a big thing, you know. So he was doing a self storage and he wanted to make sure that it fit within our, our township plan. Um, so I found that all of this stuff was just mind blowing. 
how did these guys do all this stuff? I need to find out more. Well, I wound up uh, ending my tour because I found out, well, I got a job transfer. I wound up becoming a senior intelligence officer for the unit. So I couldn't, I couldn't serve as the mayor anymore. So I was forced to resign. So I did. Um, and then I started looking at real estate. One of the guys that I was on committee with um, was a real estate investor and he didn't work anymore. And I had no idea. I had no idea until we actually had that conversation. Um, and I said to him, you know, Al, will you mentor me a little bit? And he said, sure, no problem. He goes, here, look at this. And he handed me um, a fourplex. And he said, what would you do with this? And I said, well, what do you want to do with it? I mean, and I started looking at the numbers. I got interested in it. Um, long story short, I tried about 10 or 12 times to buy different properties on different websites, auction.com, Hubzoo, blah, 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 blah. I checked the county websites for and, uh, and I was failing and failing and failing and failing and failing. And then October of uh, the end of September, actually, September 25th of 2018, I wound up um, going to a three-day course with the Fortune Builders program, got involved with them, went through their training program. At the end of the training program, boom, one day out. The, the difference that made it was the checklist. I wound up having checklists and SOPs, which you, as a military guy, you understand, um, you know, it's one of the greatest things in the world. I don't know what I'm doing. Give me a checklist and I'll figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I bought my first flip. And then at the end of the first flip, I made a decent amount of money. Uh, it was one of the best experiences and most, uh, you know, soul crushing experiences all at the same time. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Right. Uh, and oh, by the way, I didn't put a dime into that property. I had um, a retired Navy commander who gave me the down payment. I had a hard money lender who gave me the money for the property. I used both of those together. I put them into the property. I had draws, which I didn't understand. We just went through that a little while ago. I wound up getting all the way through, just kind of like staying on my toes the entire time. And at the end, I walked away with a nice check. Um, so that was a, you know, a, an incredible motivator. So from, I don't know how this happens, where you go from being a mayor to being, or from military to mayor to real estate investor to back to the military, getting ready to retire. Now I'm going to do something else. And oh, by the way, all of this stuff happened. And now I have, you know, 15 single family rentals. Um, did five flips and five wholesales by accident uh, just because I'm also a licensed realtor. And somebody comes to me and says, hey, listen, I want to sell my house. Bob down the street sold his house for this. And I go, well, I got somebody who'll pay you cash, but uh, we can do it this way, you know. And so, I mean, that's, that's, and then, oh man, network, 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 you know, get involved with everybody you can talk to anybody you can. Um, like you said, your wife stops, you know, she doesn't want to hear it anymore. You, you say, Hey, listen, I've got this thing that I'm looking at. And all of a sudden she's gone. Exactly. <laughs> so that, that, that started my involvement that actually got me so motivated that I haven't quit. And then now we transition two years later. I, I wound up taking this um, uh, meetup.com uh, was having this thing at uh, Keller Williams in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I ran into uh, Daryl Murphy senior, who's now my mentor. Um, he invites me to this GOB network of investors. Uh, I'm going through the Michael Blanc uh, spreadsheet, which, Oh, by the way, you want to talk about soul crushing, open that thing without any experience in multifamily whatsoever and try to underwrite something. You know, he's got this little 10 minute, uh, uh, analysis and and uh, and I just started doing that. Um, got into Daryl's class. Daryl started talking about, hey, look on this, and if the percentage of growth is this versus what it was in 2000, look at then that's green. And if the employment rate is this, then it's green. And if if the diversity level is this, then it's green. And if you have all green down your sheet, then we'll talk about how to underwrite the deal. You know, uh, but you got to find your market first. You got to find your niche. So. Um, now I am, let's say, heavily involved in jumping into this, uh, jumping into this multifamily. My intent is to, my intent, my goal, I will uh, file at least one LOI by the end of March of 2021. Um, I, I don't want to say, uh, oh, you know, I intend to do that. It gives me a, an excuse to fail, right? Or I would like to. No, I will do an LOI by the third month of 2021. And I will be part of some multifamily property by the end of 2021, whether it's that one or it's the four other that I have to do throughout the year to make it happen or the 40 other that I have to do by the end of the year to make that happen. That's what I'll do. Uh, And the reason that I want to get into multifamily, uh, two reasons, actually. Number one, 
it is uh, extremely lucrative, extremely lucrative. And um, if you can get into syndication, the amount of money that you have to pull out of your pocket could potentially be a lot lower than doing single family homes. And you have a lot more. Um, if you are not risk tolerant, there is risk involved in syndication, but there is a lot less risk in a multifamily property than there is in one single family property. Mm. Um, the second reason in conjunction with that is this. My goal is to get to a thousand doors. Okay. A thousand doors. Let's start with a hundred doors. All right. So let's say I'm going the route of all single family homes and, you know, cause we need stepping stones. So I want to go and I want to get myself 10. Then I want to get 20. Then I want to get 30. I got to get to 50 before I can get to that hundred mark. Right. So how long is that going to take? That's going to take forever. Number one, number two, your vacancy rates are going to go way up. Um, the amount of vacant properties that you're going to have is exponential or not exponential, but it's, it's, it's relative. So if you wind up, if you have one property and you have one vacancy, you're broke. If you have five properties and you have one vacancy, then you're hurting. If you have 10 and you have two, you're living, but now you're paying for the mortgages. If you have 50 now, now we start talking about, you know, that, um, uh, there's an actual, uh, uh, scale economies of scale right so the more the more properties that you have the less it's going to hurt you if you have a vacancy of five percent okay um you can do that all at once with one multifamily property why should i kill myself to buy 50 single family homes pay somebody you know 120 dollars per property to manage the property by the way they're disgruntled because they're only getting paid once a year you know and, and you're only giving them 50 properties so they're not exactly happy with you you know unless you're pulling that person out like my buddy did um, pull that person out and give them the 8% and tell them, hey, you manage all 100 of these properties. Then they're happy because then they're, in a, you know, a 1099 employee. But I can do that one time, one time, 100 doors, just like that. And not just like that, but you know what I mean? Um, I can do that within four months as opposed to four years that it would take me to buy 100 single family homes. So that's why I'm making the transition to, to multifamily properties. Well said. Well said. Well said. Well, everything you put in there is, uh, is amazing. So awesome. Um, we are getting towards the end of the show and want to get into snapshot round. You ready for this? All ahead, plank, cavitate, snapshot, tube, tube. All right, bud. First question for you. What is your number one failure in real estate? So my number one failure in real estate was um, a flip that I had just done. Uh, it was in Collingswood, Pennsylvania. And I don't know exactly how it occurred. Well, I know I, I can pretty much put my finger on it. Um, I had an assessor come out who overassessed the value of the property. So I made my bid based on the assessment value of the property. The comps in the area supported the assessment. However, um, there are certain things that you look for, and I should have picked this up when I was an agent. Um, if you have a two-bedroom or two, uh, I'm sorry, three-bedroom house with two bathrooms, um, that's okay. But when one of those bathrooms is a shower on the first floor, it doesn't really, you know, it, it kind of puts people off. And that's that's kind of what this property was. So I wound up, um, now, keeping in mind, I still made, I still made a, a, a good amount of money on this property um, because we had we had walked into this property and I used, uh, I, I bought it with my 75% uh, MA um, uh, maximum allowable offer MAO. Uh, and I basically just said, Hey, listen, this is how much money I'm willing to give you. And the, um, and then, you know, they said, okay. Um, <clears throat> with one caveat, when you're done fi fixing the house up, can you, can you show me? So I called her out and, you know, um, great story, backstory real quick about that. It was a Vietnam vet who would, done all of the renovations to the property himself, built a couple of sheds in the back, very handyman. Um, the one bathroom that was downstairs was put in there because he had gotten ill and then he had passed away, which is how, how the house came to me. Um, but everything he had done didn't have any permits and wasn't the code. So that's another, uh, another learning experience. They had a contractor come out and rewire the house. Um, and he rewired about a foot and a half of Romex into uh, knob and tube, which is a $17,000 loss. So that was a, that was a learning experience. Oof. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. If I, if I pulled, um, when I pulled about 10 grand out of that property, I was very happy to just get done, just get it over with because 
And if I were to look at it hourly, um, it was uh, it was probably somewhere around minimum wage for the amount of time that it took me to, you know, to actually put all my time into that thing. Yeah, that is that that's, is that's that's a, yeah, that's that's no, and it's not fun, man. That's that's a lot of headache there. Uh, but you know, as an active duty investor, what advice do you have for other military investors to be successful? You can read everything you can and get off your butt and do it. You have, as a military uh, veteran, as a, as a person, if you're currently serving, if you have, uh, if you've done your time and you're out or you're still serving, get off your butt. This is, this is the time to do it. Um, you, you have the knowledge. You are fully aware of how to design and implement checklists and standard operating procedures and establish goals and metrics. All of that stuff that you cannot learn in college, all the things that they try to teach you in college. Uh, you man, just do it. Just get out there and do it. Um, use your VA loan, buy a quad, house hack it, uh, buy a duplex with your VA loan, house hack it, get somebody, you know, whatever you got to do. If you got to buy a place because there are no duplexes or multifamilies in your area, buy a place. If you're a single person, buy a place, rent your rooms out. There, there are ways to do that legally, ethically, morally. You know, if you're doing it with other military folks, it's real simple. And when you PCS, do it again and do it again and do it again until you have a portfolio. Um, and when you're done, listen to Anthony because he can uh, steer you the right way and get you involved in um, the syndication deals. And, man, you want to talk about, man, I, I wish I knew at 18 what I know now at 52. Um, because the first thing I did after I read Rich Dad Poor Dad was apologize to my son for being an idiot about money. <laughs> so he's he's uh, just turning 29, just turned 29. And um, now, you know, we're trying to get him involved in the business as well. So, uh, yeah, just do it, man. And you guys have the knowledge and the wherewithal. Just go. Fair enough. Perfect. All right. Uh, but what what inspired you to serve your country? Honestly, uh, it's, it's a very odd situation uh, my so my uncle it's not odd i'm sure everyone's heard this before 50 percent of the people in the country are divorced right um somebody told me one time marriage ends in 50 percent of the time in divorce and 50 percent of the time in death and neither one of those is a good thing so you might want to think about saving some money before you get married so, um anyway uh yeah my my parents got divorced um i had a scholarship for rowing and uh, that fell through and my dad and mom sat me down and basically they're you know they said to me hey we're getting divorced we don't know what you're doing about college um my uncle was a chief master sergeant active duty air force uh and i kind of looked up to him so i figured hey why not um my my step-grandfather was a marine and um god bless him he told me you're too smart be a, you're a college boy go to school uh, join the Air Force, they, they get paid for doing nothing. So that's what I did. I, I took his word, I took his advice and followed my uncle into the Air Force. And here I am. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, hey, shit happens, right? All right. And the last, the last question for you, bud, what is your dream? I just had this conversation with my wife the other day um, and Matt Z. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to give you the the you know, I want financial freedom and I want to spend more time with my family. And, you know, and, and that's great. That, that's absolutely, you know, what people should aspire to. Um, the conversation I had with my wife the other day was, Hey, you know, it'd be awesome. Um, let's, let's buy an RV and they get Penn state tickets and go up and park in the RV parking lot for the four games a year that they're going to be at home. And, you know, and then a buddy of mine said, no, dude, what do you really want to do? I said, what do I really want to do? I said, well, dude, you're moving to Tennessee. And I'm going to be living up here in Jersey. And I like to go to Vegas. I said, I want to have a share of a net jet. And he was like, what? I said, yeah, I want to be a part owner of a net jet. I want to be able to pick up the phone and go, hey, dude, meet me in Northeast International or Northeast Philly Airport and uh, get the jet ready. I'll be flying to Vegas. <laughs> you know, I mean, that would be awesome. That's that like that's the Grant Cardone 10X principle. You know what I mean? Like, because I was originally thinking, hey, you know, it'd be great. Um, you know, I'm going to pay off my house and I'm going to live debt free and I'm going to have a couple of multifamily properties. And you know what, if Grant Cardone can do it, why can't I? Right. So I would like it. I'd like, I'm going to put this out there because once I say it, it's a goal and I got to achieve it. I want a hundred million dollars in assets, assets, 
and I want at least $50 million in, uh, in personal net worth. And then I want a jet that I can pick up the phone and call and fly to whatever city I decide to go to. It sounds far-fetched. It sounds ridiculous. Uh, anybody who's watching this right now is probably like, look at this conceited jackass, right? And you know what? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll wear that. But the bottom line is this. If I don't say it, if I don't think it, then I'll never achieve it, right? Again, if I'd have said, hey, man, if I just had that 50000 in my pocket, I would go out and buy, buy one property and I would flip it. No, man. I, I want to flip a house. I got to find out how to flip a house. I'm going to flip this house. I found a house. Now let's flip it. Let's do it. Okay, step one. Go, go achieve. Hey, what's the next step? Hey, you know what would be awesome? Passive income. Let's do this with rentals. Let's try the burst strategy. Boom, 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 boom. 15 rental properties. I got a partner. We're doing well. I, I think the other day we were looking, I was looking at the spreadsheet. I, I made like uh, $58,000 last year in uh, cash flow. That's great. That's awesome, right? What's next? Multifamily property. All right, let's do it. If I don't say I am going to have one LOI in the next three months and I'm going to have as many LOIs as it takes to get my first project by the end of the first year, it's not going to happen, right? If I don't say, hey, you know what? By the time I'm 60, and I'm not kidding about this. I said this before. By the time I'm 60, I want a tower in a major city. I have eight years to do it. What's it going to take for me to get there? And then I got to backtrack that and I got to think about it. You want financial freedom? Great. What's your salary? Okay. It's $200 a door. That's your net cash flow. Figure it out. You got 10000 What's that now? How much, how much is it going to cost you to get to that $10,000 a month? If you want to make $10,000 a month at $200 per door, what's the number? That's your number. Stick with it. Find it. Get to it. I want to make $20,000 a month by the end of next year. By the, my, by the end of 20, it's, it's next year. By the end of 21, I will be making $20,000 a month. Okay. By the end of 2022, I want to double that. How far off is that? Think about this now. How far off is that from having $100 million? How far off is that from having $50 million in, in net worth? Do it. Find it. Get your numbers. Follow your numbers. Backtrack it. Set your plan. Set your goals and go. Don't let anything hold you back. Mm-hmm. Smart. Damn. It's awesome. Well, but I've had a amazing time listening to, you know, the 35 years almost of experience that you've had, you know, not only being in the military, but also your experience with, um, you know, business and being in the military and being out of the military and your mayorship. I mean, you've had a storied history over these, you know, these past 30 years or so. So again, thank you for your service. And uh, I really appreciate you, you being on here. Thanks for listening. If you are a military investor and found this episode of the Lessons in Real Estate show packed with great information, tell your friends and leave a five-star rating on your listening platform. Every comment is read and appreciated. Don't forget to check out our weekly episodes of PCI Teaches, brought to you by Pinto Capital Investments. Learn about basic and advanced topics in real estate investing. Catch updates on Anthony's journey through Learn and Teach segments and listen to the tales of other military investors and real estate professionals every week. We'll catch you next time on the Lessons in Real Estate show.